On this week's edition of New York Now, a special look at New York's aging residents, issues they face, and how they're served by the state. We'll speak with Greg Olson, director of New York's Office for the Aging, and Assemblymember Ron Kim, who chairs the Committee on Aging. Plus, solutions for social isolation as we age. I'm Dan Clark, and this is New York Now. Today, the Senate majority will pass legislation. I will fight like hell for you every single day. Like I've always done, and always will. Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. This week, we're going to take a break from the news and explore issues that matter to aging New Yorkers. And let's start with what we mean by that. When we say aging New Yorkers, we're talking about older adults who are either close to retirement age or beyond it. And that's a huge chunk of New York's population. People over the age of 55, for example, make up about 31% of the state's population, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. And people in those age groups are also really politically active. Just look at Long Island. In last year's primary elections in June, almost 90% of voters in Suffolk County and almost 80% in Nassau were age 50 and up, according to the AARP. So these are people literally deciding some of our elections but they also face a unique set of issues that are important as we all age. And that's why the state is now creating a long-term strategy for its aging residents. It's called a Master Plan for Aging, and it's designed to be constantly evolving to meet the needs of aging New Yorkers well into the future. So for more on that and how the state already serves its aging population, we spoke with Greg Olson, director of New York's Office for the Aging. Greg, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It's, a, it's an honor. Of course. So I think a lot of New Yorkers don't know that we have an office for the aging. So tell me a little bit about what you do over there. Yeah, and you're exactly right. So uh, we're, the state, we're the designated state unit on aging, and we oversee a network uh, with 59 county offices for the aging and almost uh, 1,200 community-based organizations wow. that prov uh, provide a variety of uh, community-based services, both in the home and in the community, with the sole goal of uh, trying to help older adults remain as independent as possible for as long as possible. So you recently surveyed 20,000 older adults basically on, you know, their concerns. What do they value? What do they expect in their communities? Um, let's get into what they told you. I, I would imagine a lot of the issues are the same that we see across New York State, but tell me what you found out. Yeah, and we're really excited to do the deeper dive. So we just started going through, uh, it's actually 26,800 responses, and you know, that is a huge sample size. That is a lot. Like when we talk about Sienna polls on the show, right. it's 900 people. It, that's exactly right. So to have 26,000, And that's what we're excited about. Now, here was the great thing is we got people from every single county, uh, every income range, um, and every age range over the age of 60. Wow. So what you're seeing is them evaluating their communities. Many of them think that the community that they, that they live in uh, is a really good community. But then when you start asking questions about access to transportation or health care or mm -hmm. do, you, um, do you belong to civic groups? Can you afford your housing? Can you afford your prescriptions? Um, you see the numbers start to change and it's a really, really important um, data set both for our four-year plan that we're developing now for the feds and for the master plan on aging. When you talk about transportation, I would, I would assume that that might be a bigger issue in rural areas, but you tell me, I, I'm thinking of like where I'm from in Shenango <coughs> County, for example, the public transportation system is not like what you would see in New York City or Albany. It's kind of just 
a lot of it's just buses, maybe some vans picking people up across the county. And yep. like a county like Shenango is quite a big area. It, it is, and I, I know that county very well. So um, it, it's, it's an issue everywhere, to be honest with you. So public transportation assumes you can physically use it, you can right. afford it, and you know how to use it. There are fixed routes um, around New York State, but as you said, 95% of the state's geography doesn't have any public transportation. We provide over 20 million rides a year. Um, using paid staff, uh, volunteers, cars. We have a new partnership with GoGo -Go Grandparent, which is a specialized rideshare service that we are testing now in three counties. But um, there is an interagency task force that just launched last Friday uh, with that we're a part of with Department of Transportation and many others to look at and address rural transportation. Now in healthcare, is it kind of the same issue of um, you know, lack of access in these rural areas. It, you, you know, you see hospitals closing. You see uh, healthcare kind of few and far between, especially specialists, which a lot of older adults require. Yeah, and a lot of people of all ages actually do. And you're absolutely yeah. right. There are food deserts. There's prescription deserts. Yeah. There is healthcare access deserts. So in less dense places, like where you said you're from, Shenango County, and many of the others. I mean, we have 42 statutorily defined uh, rural counties in New York State. Um, that lack of density does impact service provisions. For sure. So let's talk about how you are addressing issues facing these older New Yorkers over a number of years. So Governor Huckle signed an executive order last year that created a or will create a master plan for aging in New mm -hmm. York. And and I believe that your office is responsible for developing it or it's it's a council of people. So it's it's led by the Department of Health and we're a co-chair and we have over 20 state agencies. We have subcommittees of stakeholders uh, throughout New York State and we have an association committee. And really what that's designed to do is kind of take the next step. We became the first age-friendly state in 2018 recognized by the World Health Organization AARP. Wow. This is the next iteration to make it stronger. What can government do with our partners, both public and private, to um, you know, change the built environment in the home and community that support people of all ages? Um, we know that 60% of all healthcare costs are attributable to our, our own decisions. Do I smoke? Do I have access to good food? Um, do I exercise? And the environment that we live in. And so, you know, what the governor has been so successful about is pulling all of these things together so that we can build communities to help people grow up and grow old and thrive. So it hasn't been too long since the executive order, so I know you're in the early stages, but where are you in the process of developing that master plan right yep. now? So right now um, we've had uh, four meetings of the state agencies, but a lot of the work is going to be done by the subcommittees. The subcommittees, mm -hmm. we've got about seven or eight subcommittees, they're meeting as we speak. Then what we need to be doing is going out to the public and doing public forums to get in, input and feedback uh, from them. That'll happen over the summer, and then we'll be able to start to, to piece together recommendations, gaps, uh, how we uh, deal with diversity, equity, inclusion, access issues, hard to serve communities, et cetera. Do you have a deadline or due date? Do you have um, an expectation of when the yeah, plan the, would be? The in state of the state has to, or the state of the state uh, and the executive order um, gave us 18 months oh, okay. in, in the executive order to conclude. So it'll be sometime in early uh, 24. Is that enough time, do you think? I mean, this is such a big issue. You're looking at such, uh, you know, I, a lot of things. At the same time, people really can't wait. I really do because, um, like I said, uh, this state has been working on livable community, smart growth, and age-friendly since 2006. This is not mm -hmm. new. We have a lot of resources and activity going on in, in all ages. So, you know, aging just, just does not impact my agency. Older adults hit DMV, Department of Transportation, Housing and Finance, Office of Children and Families, et cetera. So there's a lot that we've already done. We need to pull that together, show the public that um, we're doing these things. There are, we sit on over 31 
uh, interagency task forces and commissions that are dealing with individualized issues that have made recommendations, such as the Alzheimer's Disease Coordinating Council, mm -hmm. the Most Integrated Setting Coordinating Council, which is our Olmstead plan. We have an Emergency Management Council. We have um, a Geriatric Mental Health Council, a Suicide Prevention Council, a Hunger Nutrition Council. So you don't need to recreate the wheel. You just pull that stuff in. So you're doing quite a bit of work. Uh, it, with the master plan, once you have it, you know, complete, how far ahead does it look, I guess? Are we talking about just a master plan in perpetuity, or is this kind of like the federal plan that you're putting together where it has like a five-year, 10-year kind of thing? Yeah, so uh, the goal is to have it always be an evolving and working document. Um, things are w uh, very different in aging today than it was 10 years ago, 20, and 30 years ago. You know, we've had a growth over the last 10 years of 880,000 older adults and a loss of those under 60 at 400,000. Growing older isn't the problem. It's the way that we've structured our caring community. Um, mm. And that's really the focus on, you know, what can we do in the communities, whether you're younger, middle-aged, or older, to impact you that's going to be positive for your public health, your well-being, your mental health, your behavioral health, so that you can, as you get older, um, you're not declining. You're not, we're not waiting for people to get sick. We're not waiting for people to go to the hospital and, and spend down to Medicaid. So there's a lot of things on the front end that we can and should be doing. Sure. On that note, Governor Hochul and the legislature just passed a state budget earlier this month. What is in there for aging New Yorkers, you think, for, that would benefit your work? Yeah, so we could start with our agency. There was almost $10 million in additional uh, money to provide uh, personal care in the home. Hmm. Um, we received $2.5 million additional dollars for our long-term care ombudsman program. These are people that go into nursing homes and make sure that the quality of care that residents are getting is appropriate. Uh, that allows us to hire another 50 or so uh, full-time employees, and that was in addition to the 2.5 million we got last year. So you're talking about about 100 more staff because we saw what happened during the pandemic in, yeah. in these facilities. There's also a lot of additional money in health, long-term care on the workforce side, on the capital side. Um, there's uh, almost a billion dollars in additional mental health. There are dollars uh, in the, the housing arena to um, you know, improve energy efficiency, to retrofit homes so you, that you can reduce the costs, um, to you know, uh, assure people aren't being evicted. So th there's a lot of things in, in various other agencies in addition to ours that have a positive impact on older adults. I want to circle back to the Ombudsman program for just a moment. Mm -hmm. So a report from the AARP in New York found that over a three-month period last year, about half of the state's nursing homes didn't get a visit from someone from the program. You and I were talking about this before we started taping. The new money that you're getting that you mentioned, how much of a dent can we put into that gap? Um, it's going to have a, a significant dent, and you're right. Uh, so this, the Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program is a federally mandated program, and they provide the state of New York hardly any resources. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult to have a program like that when you're not actually paid to do it. The state has stepped up over the years, um, but we've always been heavily reliant on volunteers, and it's really not... Uh, love our volunteers. They do a great job, but you need paid staff to do this. And so um, we've known this has been an issue for a while. We've seen the number of volunteers uh, before the pandemic going down. We had 700 at one point. We're down wow. to 240. And then during the pandemic, that was just, uh, it was difficult. Um, uh, people couldn't enter uh, the nursing homes for obvious reasons. So what this, uh, you know, additional $5 million is, is going to do is allow for many, many more full-time and part-time staff that are trained and certified by us to go visit. Now, um, we, we will always respond to a call. 
so that doesn't matter which facility it may come from. What sure. we're trying to gear up to is to make sure that uh, every facility gets a visit at least once a week. You know, before I let you go, I want to talk to you about an issue that we don't really talk about too much, and that's social isolation for aging New Yorkers. You know, this is an issue that is important to me because mental health is very important to me as an issue. And when we talk about aging New Yorkers and their isolation, you know, it, it's a snowballing thing where it can affect your mental health, your physical health. As a state, as communities, what can we do to fight against that? Yeah, and there's a lot we are doing. You're absolutely right. The pandemic really shined a light on this. This yes. is something our network has been um, doing uh, for over 40 years. But we saw a huge impact actually on younger people. Uh, but to your point for older adults, I mean, a lot of the folks that we serve live alone. Our average um, person is an 83-year-old low-income female that lives alone. Yeah. And you talked about transportation. When you give up your ability to drive or you can't get somewhere, you're more isolated. So we have launched a variety of, of low, medium, and high-tech innovations uh, to combat isolation, like our animatronic pet project, which has shown to reduce isolation, depression, and loneliness by 75%. That's now being replicated in 35 states. Wow. We uh, launched a platform called Get Set Up, um, and within 18 months, we had 200,000 people over the age of 50 taking over 2,000 classes. Um, they took a million classes. Um, so we've, we've done things like that. We've uh, developed tutorials with uh, our association and DeRote on how to develop a, a friendly visiting program. But the simple solution is if there's any older adult or younger person in your life, reach out. Yeah. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's not as complicated as just old school sitting down and talking to somebody. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes issues don't have to be as complicated That's as we right. make them. Yep. We are out of time. Greg Olson, director of New York's Office for the Aging, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. I, I thank you for your interest in the topic and for having us. And whether we're talking about isolation or health care, the state's Office for the Aging can connect you with help. Their website is aging.ny.gov. But when it comes to aging, it's more complicated than just state services and other supports. Sometimes help with aging comes from your next door neighbor or your kid or your community. In this piece from WMHT's Will Pedigo, we look at how one person can make a big difference. Take a look. Now that I'm going on 69 and I'm thinking about aging, Who's going to look after me? Who's going to notice that I didn't bring out my trash can, that I didn't pick up my mail, that my car has not moved? Does anybody care? I'm a physician volunteering here at the Capital City Rescue Mission. My focus as primary care provider is identifying the problem. I remember uh, a veteran that I saw at, at, when I was working at the VA and he actually said I'm starved for conversation. He wasn't having a, an issue he just wanted to be able to share some joy with someone. We live in a country where we all have our own independent lives, and I, I'm not so certain that that has helped us. We are created for to live in community. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. If each of us looked at the older people in our community, in other words, we could adopt our neighbors. I am going to be going over to see my neighbor after work today. I'm only there about 15, 20 minutes, but she's lonely. 
and she needs someone to talk to. I think it begins with asking questions. How are you feeling? Are you eating? Are you sleeping? What are you doing for social activities? It's going to be up to our whole society to value the lives of older people who raised us, supported us, helped us along the way. And we'll link to more resources on our website. As always, that's at nynow.org. But when we talk about aging, there's more to it than just what the state's doing and how people experience it in their daily lives. There's also the legislative perspective. In the past few years in particular, issues around aging have been at the forefront in the state legislature, from conditions at nursing homes to access to home care. But as you know by now, aging New Yorkers deal with a lot more than just those two issues. So to learn more about the legislative approach, we spoke with Assemblymember Ron Kim, the chair of the Assembly Committee on Aging. Assemblymember Ron Kim, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, anytime. So you're chair of the Aging Committee. Uh, let's start there. What does the Aging Committee handle in terms of issues, topics, yeah, just for people who aren't familiar? It's the Standing Committee on Aging in the Assembly. This is my second term chairing this very important committee. Um, our primary task is to take care of the older adults in the state of New York, make sure uh, they don't fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very complex, huge system that involves Medicaid, Medicare, but there is a population that are always falling through the cracks, and my main task is to work with the State Office for Aging to make sure that we fully fund those programs uh, so they don't, they don't fall through those cracks. It's an interesting issue, the issue area, because for aging New Yorkers, you know, every issue for everybody else in New York is also their issue, but they also have specific issues to them, like, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get into it, transportation, healthcare, things like that. But what do you see as the top issues for aging New Yorkers right now? Well, we don't have any planning for the elderly population, and we mm -hmm. have a crisis in our hand. And by the time we wake up we, and, and realize, oh my God, there's no uh, insurance, there's no uh, nursing home, there's no home care worker for my uh, grandfather, father, my loved ones, uh, it's too late. And, and we all kind of went through this and people don't understand it does have an economic toll when working families have to sacrifice so much to take care of our older adults uh, when the government should be stepping in and taking care of our most vulnerable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you have to spend money on, on caring for somebody else, you don't have money to, you know, put food on the table and, you know, pay your bills and everything like that. Uh, something that I wanted to talk to you about in particular is nursing homes. Uh, during the pandemic, you were very outspoken about the conditions in nursing homes. So you and I both know um, the former administration, the Cuomo administration, gave out uh, misleading and false information to the public on nursing home deaths and later tried to correct that in some way, shape, or form. Um, we've also passed laws to make nursing homes safer, so uh, safer staffing laws, care there. Um, nursing homes have to provide at least three and a half hours of care per resident per day now. Do we think we need to go further on yeah, nursing homes? Yeah, I mean, we, when many states um, a long time ago decided to try to administer the type of care in nursing homes as a guaranteed state-backed government, mm. New York chose to outsource and contract out everything. And this is many decades later. We only have 14 municipal-run um, nursing homes in the entire state, and they're failing. In the last 10 years, we had to shut down like a dozen under the former administration. And that's part of the problem. That when, the moment that the public money goes out of our hands, we have insurance companies and nursing homes and predatory operators and bad operators that are just preying on those dollars and not delivering the care that we are putting the money for. 
So I think at the core of this problem is that the government lacks the administrative capacity mm. to actually deliver uh, the guaranteed care that our people deserve. But it's not too late. Other states have done a better job at this, and we can look at how they've done it, and we can set up a, a care infrastructure. We talk about training care like infrastructure, yeah. but we don't have any mechanisms to actually do it. I believe um, post-budget, we should focus on creating like a poor authority, power authority, like an MTA type of uh, an agency, a long-term care authority that dedicated to supporting the long-term care sector, including uh, those facilities that are failing. Now, we look at nursing homes, there's also the issue of home care. People who are at home uh, either, you know, for a long period of time, maybe in hospice, things like that, or, you know, just need help around the house. Uh, everybody knows that wants to get home care, that home care is very difficult to find in New York. And what home care workers will tell you that that's because there's such high turnover because the wages are so low for home care workers. I know in this year's state budget, we're keeping their wage a little bit above the minimum wage, I believe. Um, do you think that goes far enough or is there a better solution for this industry? Just like nursing homes, I think we need a fully integrated government solution here. Mm. We also outsourced home care. In the 1980s, California created these type of long-term care authorities. In each county of California, administers home care to the county governments. Mm. So those home care workers are viewed as public servants and public employees. They belong to public employee union. But here, we also made a choice to contract everything out. Um, so a lot of the money is gets lost. We lose about a billion dollars in back wages every year um, to the home, in the home care sector. Wow. And there's no accountability because what are we, what's the alternative here? Oh, people need care. And if we break up the entire industry without offering a solution, no one gets care. You know, both home care and nursing homes, I have to imagine, will be part of the state's master plan on aging. It, it's a thing that has been created under an executive order from Governor Hochul in 2022. It's kind of just getting started now. Um, do you have confidence in that process to be the thing that you're looking for, to create that plan that you said that we're lacking, or do you think that we need to go farther? I'm always hopeful with any governor, with any party, with, if they're willing to build a capacity to care for people, I wanna be there every step of the way. Mm. And if this plan is taking us in that direction, I wanna be there, I wanna support it, I don't know, I think they've had a couple of meetings, a few meetings, um, I'm not that confident at this point whether we're going the right direction based on what they push for in the budget. Mm -hmm. um, we, although their older adults can't wait another two years for us to issue a master plan. Like we know what the problems are, we should, be, we should have been funding it from this budget on, but that's not what happened. So, mm -hmm. um, but regardless, uh, I'm ho if there's a golden opportunity, I think for Governor Hochul and her administration to say, we need to build capacity, we need to build a public sector that has been um, severely undercut for the last 20 years. And it's something that she didn't create, right? She inherited, but it gives her a, a platform to be a national champion on how to get this right. So speaking of Governor Hochul, her and the legislature just passed this year's state budget. You mentioned it a few times. Uh, is there anything in there that could go towards these problems that, that we're talking about? Yeah, the, one of the things that we were proud of uh, is to fund the, the State Office for Aging. Mm -hmm. So the area that, that that office and my committee focuses on is above poverty uh, home care sector. So people who don't qualify for Medicaid, right. but if we don't take care of them, they will spend down and impoverish themselves to get to Medicaid. Right. So if we fully invest that sector, we will save 
up to hundreds of millions of dollars um, the next couple of years. In fact, for every dollar we invest in that middle sector, we save up to $8 in Medicaid savings in the back end. Wow. That's a, that's a tremendous economic return for the state. So we're able to secure all close to 9.3, uh, total 15 million in the last two years to fund that need and also to get rid of the waiting list. There's thousands of people, up to 15,000 people on a waiting list to get home care who don't qualify for Medicaid. So if we can take care of those people, we will solve, we will start solving a lot of problems in the state. Do you think that's the answer to this, all of these issues that we talk about when we talk about aging New Yorkers? It just feels like we need a whole lot more money invested in it. Yeah, and, and that's that's why the my original idea um, going forward, which I've been talk, starting talking to ARP and other organization, is let's truly treat this like infrastructure. That means that we need an authority uh, to dedicate every resource to leverage every dollar that comes in, um, just like the as a second MTA. Uh, leverages in, in future fees to finance bridges. Mm -hmm. Let's also finance the, the long-term care sector, the way that we treat bridges and tunnels. And do you see that as a separate kind of authority or do you wanna just beef up the Office for the Aging? Um, I would, I would, it would have to be a separate public benefit corporation. Um, general government agencies are, are unable to uh, float bonds, borrow in the market. It's the authorities that have the power to do that. But, they, but such an authority will work in conjunction with the Department of Health and the State Office for Aging. So all, so all these all these things that we fall short on, they'll be there to step in and finance those things and build the public sector to deliver care. Right now, we're doing through one borrow uh, legislation at a time. Um, like we would try to activate the dormitory authority to borrow. Uh, money for the nursing homes, it doesn't work. Like we need a dedicated agency to build infrastructure for care. There is just a lot in the aging space, and, and we'll have to have you back to talk about where everything is going. But Assemblymember Ron Kim, thank you so much for talking about all this. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate your time. Thank you. And after this week, there are only three weeks left of this year's legislative session. We'll let you know if anything major happens on aging before the end. But we have to leave it there for the week. Thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week and be well. Funding for New York Now is provided by WNET.